Thank you for having me on your show. And one thing that I always tell everybody, Wolfie D, your podcast is great. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. And today we're going to start it a little different. We're going to start it with our current affairs segment. DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. Live and in color. It's a current affair. All right, Wolfie, we did have a little bit of a current affair with you. Why don't you tell yeah. them about your health? How you feeling, buddy? Man, actually, you know, it's been uh, a week now, exactly a week, about this time when it happened. Um, you know, I woke up last Saturday morning. Me and my girlfriend, Michelle, were headed to Pigeon Forge uh, from where we live. That's about three hours or so. And uh, I felt fine, man, you know. Um I've been feeling fine, and uh, we got we stopped at this place. We've been we've been passing this place for for months because I have to go to get my son that way. And there's a place called the Stone Cold Liquor Store, and we thought up this idea to do this little skit that I put on Facebook. I'm sure a lot of people seen it, where <laughs> you know I acted as if I was drinking, and she gives me Hilarious. a stunner. Yeah. Anyway, it's on Facebook if people want to look at it. It's on our website. Uh, but we stopped by there. We did that. We thought it was great. We laughed and got on down the road a little bit further. About 30 minutes down the road, uh, it felt like I had gas, like, you know, blocked under my ribs or something, you know. That's what I initially thought was going on and kept going, kept going. And then I felt like I was kind of having a little trouble breathing and stuff. And I told her we got to about Rocky Top, Tennessee. And I said, I'm going to pull over here at this uh, exit. I said, run in here to the shell station and get me some gas pills or something, man. And uh, so she got out, she went in, and by the time she got out, I broke out in a sweat. And that's when I was like, oh, Lord, what is going on? I got out of the car to get some air, and I, and I, she called me from in the store, and I answered it on my, my Apple Watch as I was standing outside the car with my hands rested on the roof. And uh, she said, they don't have any here. And I said, well, come on. I said, I think I might need to go to the hospital. And uh, about that time, when I hung up with her, I got, like, really dizzy. And all of a sudden, I just blacked out and did the Ric Flair face plant and uh, oh, right on the man. pavement of the gas station and scratched my head all up because uh, when I came to, so I was out for a minute. They didn't CPR me or nothing like that. I kind of came to by myself, but I know I'd been out a minute because when I came to, there was people all around me. Luckily, one of those people was a nurse and one of the other people was a, a EMT and uh they ran inside. Of course, Michelle was coming out as I fell and immediately got on the phone with 911, but she wasn't sure of the address where we were, so that was taking a second. I just sat up, and I seen the blood on the pavement before I hit my head, and I sat up and leaned up against my back tire, and, I mean, it felt like somebody was digging a screwdriver into my chest, and I couldn't hardly breathe, and the nurse said, sir, I think you're having a heart attack, you know, and that's frightening to hear, and oh, uh, man. so they way there's somebody with a umbrella holding it over me you know they took really good care of me the just people just people that kind of renewed my faith in people honestly uh yeah a lot of 
trying to be very helpful and things. And um, so uh, the ambulance finally gets there. And, well, the people, I, I forgot to say that, the EMT and them ran in there. They bought me aspirin, had me chew it up. Somebody bought water, all this mess. The ambulance gets there, and then I felt safer because, you know, they had me on the, they hooked me up to the IV immediately, and I knew they had the medications and everything to keep me going until they could get me to the hospital. We were about 20 minutes from Knoxville, so that's where they took me. It was North Knoxville, uh, Tonova Hospital. Don't pass gold, nothing. They got me there. I went straight into the surgery. They went through my right arm at my wrist, up my arm, into my chest with the catheter and the stent. They ended up putting two stents in my heart. I had what they call the widowmaker heart attack, which is that kills 99% of the people that have it. Um, I had uh, what they told me was 100% blockage. I am absolutely lucky to be alive sitting here today talking to you, Jimmy. It was crazy. Uh, they kept me in the hospital uh, for observation for two days. Uh, Michelle stayed there with me the entire time. I can't say enough about her, man. That's a She's a good woman. And um, so they let me go, and I actually had an appointment already scheduled on Tuesday with my doctor once I got back home uh, for follow-up from an MRI that I had on Friday, a double MRI, one on my back and one on my hip. So I went to my doctor. Obviously, I'm on all kinds of new medications for my heart, and I have to change my diet, all that mess. But I'm on no restrictions, which people are tripping. They're seeing me. They're like, you just had a massive heart attack. What are you doing back at work? What are you doing at the grocery store? What are you doing at the gym? And I'm like, love the heck. You know, they told me once this stent is in there, I'm I'm fixed. My blood pressure right now is better than it's been in years, and I, I feel fine. You know, it's a it's a miraculous thing, but they saved my life, and it's it's crazy. Uh, the the results on the MRI were that I actually have two hernias in my abdominal region. I didn't even know I had. Uh, my lower back is just riddled with arthritis, and my SI joint, and then my left hip. Uh, has a tear in the labrum, so I need surgery for that. But because of the heart attack, I can't have surgery right now. So anyway, I feel good, though. Um, but I guess I'm just a damn crash test dummy uh, from over the years of being beat to death, probably not taking the best care of myself sometimes, man. But I feel great, and thank you for asking. And I appreciate all the Man, I had overwhelming people calling, texting, you know, posts on Facebook and everything. And I want to say thank you to everybody that showed that they actually cared about me. And I do appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, thank God you're still with us, man. I mean, you know, forget this podcast, dude, you know, I'm your friend and, and I want, yeah. I want to, you know, the world would be missing a huge piece. You not being in it, man. So thank God for the doctors, Michelle and everybody got you back to health, man. So on the number two, current affairs for the day. The biggest thing happened last night in wrestling for a long time, and that was the CM Punk showing up at AEW. That was amazing, was it not? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'd seen on Facebook all day of, you know, hey, Punk's going to be there. Is he going to show up and this and that and the other? And, uh, I mean, the dude created some hype. And uh, and then, you know, today, obviously, I saw uh, the the reaction I didn't I didn't listen to the interview I only because everybody's telling me Road Warrior Pop Road Warrior Pop I was like come on man no way and uh, I don't know if it's a Road Warrior Pop but his brother did get a, a hell of a reception um, which you know it was a very anticipated thing and he did something that you know nobody's been able to do there in a minute and he's got some buzz going which is a good thing uh, so you know my hats off to him. Um, you know, I worked with CM Punk in TNA. Uh, he was with Raven 
um, for a little bit. And that was near the beginning of his career. I mean, he was a good worker. I, I, I can't, you know, say that I thought he was terrible or anything. I just never thought that he would be what he is now. And, and quite frankly, I honestly did not watch his WWE push. So I don't know how they say he's a good talker. Uh, and I, I really, I'm being honest when I say I've never seen him do a promo or anything. All I know is what I, the guy that I worked with. So, I mean, whatever he's doing, he's doing something right, man. You can't take that away from him. I mean, he got a hell of a reception and created a hell of a buzz. So that's, yeah. that's what we're trying to do here, you know. The one thing that I think a lot of people think about him, he's kind of that indie darling. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he made his name on the indies. And, you know, it's kind of like almost, you know, comparatively speaking to like music of, oh, well, I remember when this band was their first album, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I think his fans have kind of carried over from his IWA Mid-South his uh, Ring of Honor days and things like that. But, I mean, I remember you putting pump knots on his head when he was wearing basketball shorts. So he definitely has changed for sure. But, you know, I enjoy him just because I think he he does deliver a little bit of truth. But it's not per se my favorite type of wrestling. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, my opinion with the Road Warrior pop, that was in Chicago. Can he do that in Albuquerque? Can he do that in Atlanta? Yeah. Can he do that? That's where it's the road warrior. In my opinion, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I agree. Yeah. I mean, can he do that everywhere? Can he keep it going? I mean, how long could he keep the interest going? That's going to be up to, uh, you know, who's ever booking the angles that he's fixing to be in, you know, with whoever he's fixing right. to be in. As I said, I didn't listen to the promo, so I, I can't tell you where it's leading or where I think it's leading or anything like that. But, you know, and as I've told you and I'll tell the listeners, I probably need to start, you know, looking a little bit closer since we're doing these current affair things and doing this podcast in general, uh, looking at some stuff just to, so I can have a, a better educated uh, decision on my, on my thoughts on everything. Yeah, well, you know, that would kind of ruin the fun of it, Wolfie, but I, I get it, man. <laughs> well, with that being said, you know, that wraps up our current affairs for the day. Definitely appreciate you all hanging in here with us. A little later in the podcast, we're going to have Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express on. But coming up next, Wolfie D's 1995 Part 2. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash slash live wolfie d check it out if you're listening to live and in color with wolfie d on apple podcast and like what you're hearing go ahead and leave a five-star rating and while you're at it write a review tell us what you liked tell us what you'd like to hear in the future it's very important to us and always appreciated thanks again Ladies and gentlemen, this is Jimmy, your host with the star of the show, Wolfie D, here on the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. So the Smoky Mountain Wrestling USWA feud, this is the middle part of 95. Wolfie, give us some light on this time. Well, it all started with the night to remember um, in Louisville uh, with the Rock and Roll Express being billed as the team of the uh, 80s versus us, the team of the 90s. They put us over, big house, you know, the emotion at the end of that, if anybody watches it, me and Jamie hugging and falling down when we beat them, is, it was raw, it was real, because we knew we had just been handed the torch, as they say, 
And it was great. And that was the beginning of a great feud with us and the Rock and Roll Express. And they worked their asses off with us. And we were working our asses off, obviously. I mean, they had been to the mountaintop, but they did not act like that. They they were at it again as, you know, kind of hungry again to draw some money. Yeah. And, and they were still relevant and everything else. And we wanted to prove we were up and coming. And, man, it just all worked out. And between that and then we kept adding people after that you know then um when the smoky mountain thing started you know uh, they brought in buddy landell terry gordy um i think the, and mark curtis was the referee the bad referee then you had randy hills you know kind of being the good promoter versus that bad referee and we went to smoky mountain not kind of in the same context where we didn't invade there but we did some shots there um but the main stuff was in Memphis and Louisville and all that. And it drew money. It drew big money. The biggest houses that they had seen in, in years. And it just worked. You know, Tommy and Doug was our enemies. And they ended up joining us against the fight against the Smoky Mountain crew. Um, Heavenly Bodies, too, they came in. Um, it just all worked out well. Tracy Smothers was working for USWA. And when the when the feud started with Smoky Mountain, he made the switch from USWA Babyface to Smoky Mountain Heel. And he kind of led the charge with the rock and roll against us and Tommy and Doug and Lawler and Brian Christopher. And it was just a whole, it just worked, man. It was, the, the you know, a, like a team thing, you know, almost like a football game. You had your home team versus the, the invading team, you know. Yeah. So it just all yeah. You know, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but how did it feel going to places like Johnson City and Knoxville and being booed? And then, them, then you know what I'm saying, and then being cheered in your home areas like Louisville, Memphis, Nashville. How did that feel? I mean, I know yeah, you guys had... I loved it. I loved it. And I thought, I'm not really sure of the reason, you know, because Smoky Mountain went out of business before USWA. And I always felt like, because there was plans to do the same exact thing that we were doing in Memphis and taking it there and let the whole crew invade Smoky Mountain and us be the heels there. But it, like I said, just said like football, it was like the home team versus the visiting team. And when I went to Knoxville, well, me and Jamie went to Knoxville, we were the visiting team and we were getting booed. And they knew, you know, some of the people, there was not as much internet really going on right then, but they still knew what was happening in Memphis, you know, and, right. and, and we didn't even come there and work rock and roll. We, we came there and worked Tracy and, um, uh, dirty white boy and the, the heavenly bodies. So it was just a whole different feel, but I really felt like, and I don't know why they didn't do it again, why Cornette didn't do it, um, you know, to do the whole invasion thing up there. Cause I felt like we could have got some more mileage and they could have still stayed in business a little longer had we had done it that way, but I don't know, but I loved it, man. I loved going there and it was a whole different, it's just cool being in a different place like that, you know, a whole different territory in those days. And you're the heel because you're not those guys, you know, I, I loved it. We had great matches there. That's awesome. Yeah. From what I remember, I remember getting tapes of that and I, those were some killer matches. I mean, really knock down drag out them. The thing that I loved about it is, is, I, you know, when I saw later on 
that NWO feud, that invasion that they did to WCW, basically making it feel like WWE was invading. Right. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I, yeah. know, I know this seems kind of like I've seen this before. And, right. you know, a lot of people give Japan credit. They had a similar storyline. But honestly, I feel like the USWA feud was definitely the one that, you know, with Smoky Mountain invading, it was kind of like that similar thing, you know. You yeah. got these guys from out of town that people have seen, but they're not your team, you know. Right. That was good stuff. So. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, how was it working with the rock and rolls? I mean, you know, Meltzer says that as the night to remember, Meltzer says that was the USWA match of the year might have been of the past five years. I mean, are they just as easygoing as, as anybody you could expect to work? Oh, yeah. I mean, they like I said, I feel like it was a time in their career where they kind of wanted to prove something again because, you know, <laughs> Right now, if you talk about them, you know, now they're Hall of Famers and stuff. They weren't Hall of Famers at that point. Um, right. When Smoky Mountain went out of business, uh, they kind of had nowhere to go. And Cornette gave them that little push. Not, not, I, don't, I don't use the word push. I don't want to say push because they didn't really get a push. But he got a job in WWE, and they misused them. And, you know, there was really nothing there. In, in recent yeah. years, you know, they've, they've reestablished themselves as the team that we know from WCW and Crockett and all that kind of stuff uh, that, that wrestled the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors and the, the Co-Ops and all that shit. Um, yeah. And they deserve to be there, man. But at that point in their career, I feel like they were still like, hey, wait a minute. We're the fucking Rock and Roll Express. We still got something to prove here. And don't be... Yeah. Uh, we're not we're not dead yet and we're not too old yet. So I feel like they they really had something to prove and they did, man. They worked they you know, they did anything that was asked of them as did we, you know. Do you have any funny stories that you could tell of just an occurrence that might have happened that, you know, you can remember that would well, be something that there's a, there's a few of them, but I want to wait because there's there's a few in particular that I want to talk to Ricky about. So we'll wait till Ricky yeah. gets on. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. I love it. Have you ever wanted to call Jamie up and say, I see these Rock and Roll Express boys. Let's get the band back together. I know you just had a heart issue. I'm sorry to yeah. to make that seem <laughs> no, like that. And, but, you know, even before that, though, Jimmy, it's just like my body's beat to death, man. Um, it yeah, just is. Yeah. And I just don't. I never wanted to be that guy that would go out there and the people would say he's lost the step or he needs to stop. I do not ever want that. And I know that in the past few years, I could not go to the level that I'm capable of wrestling at. And so that's kind of why I've been out since, you know, 2016 when I tore my arm up because I know that I can't physically, my brain thinks I can, but my body You know, it's like the um, the song, I ain't as good as I once was. Yeah. Uh, Toby, that right. makes me think of how the wrestling business is because, I mean, I think I could still do it, but I know my body is tells me something different, you know. Oh, of course. And I, we get that. I mean, you know, not to say we wouldn't love to see it, but absolutely got to make sure the health is right. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about a little bit about the Rock and Roll Express, and it's leading up into some things. But as we go along, you know, you lose the titles to them, and they become the, the USWA and NWA tag team champs at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, you turn around and win those titles back from them. And then it comes up on uh, in, in late July here. You're in the Memphis Coliseum, and then at this time – 
you know, they beat you in a non-title Boys in the Hood match, I think. Maybe Boys mm-hmm. in the Hood death match or something. Yeah. And um, at that time, Tracy turns heel. Tracy Smothers, who had been a USWA babyface, he turns heel on you. Tell me a little bit about that area right there. Well, that match, I love that match. Uh, and and I know me and you have talked about this before, and I think Meltzer may have called it Boys in the Hood match or whatever. Yeah. The match I'm thinking of was a Texas death match, and it was in okay. Memphis, and that's when Tracy turned. Um, and that match was awesome. Uh, we had some – it was – you know, you pin your opponent, but that's not the end of the match. They they get the three count, and then they have a little rest period, and then the referee does like a boxing ten count. And if the if the person can't reach his feet by the count of ten, the match is over. So th- there was a lot of pinfalls with different stuff, and everybody's bleeding and tables, and you know, all kinds of run-ins. And there was a, Lawler was actually supposed to do a, well. He did it eventually, but uh, there was a spot, and Buddy Landell comes down to the ring, and Buddy was supposed to, you know, you can watch this match on YouTube, a Texas Death Rock World Express versus PG-13. When Buddy comes down, he grabs the ropes. That's as far as he was supposed to get. Lawler's supposed to be on his ass right there, boom, 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 and fighting to the back. Well, Buddy gets there, and you can see him grab that top rope, and nobody's behind him. So Buddy crawls up slow and he gets in the ring and all he know you know and all he could do he just started hitting people boom he was no DQ yeah. anyway he just started hitting people and uh, he walked around for a minute got back out of the ring and then got back to his spot there and started climbing in again and finally here comes Lawler and grabs him and there's that big pop woo 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 with all the punches and finally fights him back to the back and then we go into whatever we were doing one on that cue uh, but right. yeah the fight. The final finish, though, is uh, Jamie's – forget what they did to him. I'd have to watch it. There's something where he gets pinned, and um, he's trying to make the 10 count or something, and Tracy comes out with a with a Coke bottle. And this was not a sugar bottle. This was one of those right. – it was – you used to put the bottle in the oven and bake it. But that shit was still hard, and Jamie actually got a lot of glass in his head on that. Uh, and oh, Tracy, man. if you'll notice, was wearing a glove so it wouldn't slice his hands up. But, yeah, Tracy right. smashed over his head, boom, Jamie couldn't make the 10 count, and that was the, the big switch from Tracy being a baby face in Memphis to a leader of the Smoky Mountain faction uh, invading uh, Memphis. He is for terrible. H is for hell. U is, U for, is ugly. for ugly. G is for jail. Because <laughs> why? A thug can't spell. That's right. So, you know, you bring up some awesome names right there. First of all, what constitutes it as a Texas death match? Is there a certain thing that makes it that way? Well, I mean, I've seen them done different ways, but the main thing is just a, it's a no disqualification match. And some of them are done, like I explained just then, with the three count and then answer the ten count. Some of them are done with just one pinfall. It just really depends on who's booking it, I guess, and how you want it to go. Yeah, yeah. And and is it it pretty typically pretty hardcore or is it just yeah you know yeah yeah it so, should be if it's not right. you're not uh, you shouldn't should have Texas Tech yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and so you also I want to tell a quick story about Buddy Landell so I was probably about. 15 years old, no, 16. I'd just been able to drive, and I took my brother and I up to a little community college nearby my hometown, and Buddy Landell was wrestling there. And he was working somebody who wasn't probably near his level, and he gets tossed between his merch table and another person's table, and everything goes 
flying, okay? Mm. And he's angry. He's hot at this yeah. dude. And what, what I remember now is he's giving the guy pretty much live rounds, and then they end up going home, and then they go back to the back. So mm. you can hear Buddy yelling, okay? And he's mad. And so my friend, his father worked at this community college. He was like, hey, do you want to go back and meet the wrestlers? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm a little scared because you can hear Buddy going off. And he opens the door to the locker room, to the men's locker room. And I don't know why we had the balls to even do this, Wolfie. I don't know. He opens the locker room. So (laughs) Buddy is standing there in a T-shirt and his boots. That's it. And he said, hey, boys, how y'all doing? Did you enjoy the show? I appreciate it. Yeah, good. Well, we're going to change here, and we'll come out there and sign some pictures for you, okay? And we close the door, and all you could hear was, Hey, Bobby, I thought you said you was having somebody watch the door. <laughs> and, we went, and it was like, uh, okay, that, we'll never see Buddy Lundell in the same way again. But from what I heard, Buddy was an excellent guy. Again, oh, yeah. may have had his demons. But do you have any interesting stories about Buddy my at all? Or? Thing Buddy, just, uh, my, when Buddy comes to mind, something that like me and Jamie would say to each other, you say the name Buddy Lundell, you go, watch the hair, brother. Because he was so concerned, especially like during the time when he was wrestling us, he'd usually slick his hair back and put it in a ponytail. And uh, anytime you would grab, you know, to go to pick him up off the mat, watch the hair, brother. Because <laughs> he didn't want the he didn't want the the, the hair tie coming out or whatever. You climb up right. on the second, start giving him the punches. You grab him by the head, watch the hair, brother. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, Buddy Landell is watch the hair, brother. <laughs> well, and and this may not be a question you can answer, and we probably should look this up, but do you know why he went with the Nature Boy? I mean, was it like he and Flair got it at the same time, or, or Man, what made him? I'm not, I don't know the backstory on that, and I'm not a – I bet somebody like Randy Hales can tell you that, or Bo Jackson. Probably no. That, but I'm not the big wrestling historian, I wouldn't say. I get it. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes – I realize that this little minutia stuff doesn't pop up on car trips. Y'all are th- talking about other things. So, uh, well, anyway, yeah, buddy, I, you know, I always thought buddy, he, his work was great. Of course, you know, oh, yeah. all you guys from that area, you know, Memphis to me, you know, there's a reason the WWE was using y'all like they were, you know, yeah, yeah. you guys were such Everybody great workers there. Pretty much somebody came through Memphis at one time or the other, you know? Exactly. Well, so, you know, 95, really, you know, you work some other teams, and then it leads, like you said, to Buddy Landale, Robert Gibson, Tracy Smothers, and you guys do another Texas death in late July. Also, you know, at this time, Ricky gets fired. We we don't need to go into all that from Smoky Mountain. But yeah. also, after, on a In Your House 2, Jeff Jarrett and Brian Armstrong walk out after In Your House 2. There's a possibility that Jarrett's coming back, but Brian comes back, and he becomes Jesse James. I know he's your great friend. Tell me about that. Are you guys friends already at this point? or um, you... well, That's about when we became friends, man. Him and... Uh... Tex Slasinger lived in Madison, Tennessee, in a uh, it was a it was a lady and man's house, older couple, and they had a apartment built onto their house, and they were renting it. And um, I was I was about to have a child, and uh, I they were moving out, and so I went to them. I was like, Hey, I need that that apartment. Can you help me out? And um, some kind of way, they I ended up moving into that apartment. And they moved out. 
And um, then, it, and that's another thing in 95 that happened. August 6th of 95, I was in Louisville. Let me tell this story real quick. Uh, yeah. We were somewhere, um, trying to think. We were up in Kentucky for a spot show somewhere. And it seems like, I don't know why we weren't in Memphis, though. But anyway, it might have been a Sunday. I can't remember. But uh, so we had to do. That would have been a Sunday, a Sunday, a Sunday, a Sunday, I think. So we're, it seems like somewhere around Hazard, Kentucky or something. I had my, uh, my daughter's mother with me on that trip, which was very rare. And she was very pregnant. And um, her water broke the day of. I had to be in Louisville to work rock and roll, I think it was. Uh, that night and her water broke that morning. We were all the way in hazard and we lived in Nashville. So hundred miles an hour, uh, down the Daniel Boone Parkway as it was then, uh, to 65 down to Bowling Green, down to, um, Nashville. And, you know, back in those days, some people can look at this and go, man, that's pretty shitty, but that's just the way it was. When your main event back then, you didn't, you, there was no excuse for anything. That's just how it was, man. Um, I had to be there. So I drove her to the hospital in Nashville, like I said, from like hazard hundred miles an hour the whole way and, uh, dropped off and I took back off to Louisville hundred mile an hour. And in the ring, uh, she was, my daughter, Casey was born while I was in the ring because I got out of the ring and there had been a phone call made to the box office there and they got word to me, you've got a daughter. And so obviously immediately, uh, Randy Hales and I took off back down to Nashville and, uh, went to the hospital and got to see my little girl, you know, after she was born a few, few hours before. Yeah. So to me, that's kind of cool. Some people, like I said, might think it's shitty, but that's just the way the business was. And then it was, Right. It's the way it was. I mean, musicians, I mean, there's a million different people that have unfortunately missed some important things that they were doing that to support those people, you know. Brought up an interesting point there, and we're we're almost about to wrap up with us and bring in Ricky here, so I don't want to go too much longer, but you brought up an interesting point here, one which I don't think we all think about. You did not have cell phones at that time. So let me just say this. If you were going to call randy hales and you were going to say hey you know jamie and i are 20 minutes late or jamie and i something's happened how would you get a hold of it you said called the box office so like is that how you would do it essentially you would find the number for the box office or you would already have that number or yeah get send word to the box office would be the the way to do it then if you were running late or something um Trying to think. I, I can't remember what year, but I know Randy had a, a car phone um, okay. during some of those trips. But I don't know that I would have even known that number or did I know that number. I, it was, like I said, box office um, would have been the way to do that. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's kind of well, cool. crazy. It's like, how the hell did we do that? <laughs> I know. I mean, how do you do it? How did you do it? You know, because you and I, we text each other, and it's like boom, boom, and then we talk, and then it's like ready to go. And it's funny. You get so used to that. If something were to happen with my wife, your girlfriend, whatever, boom, we text, and it's there. And it's like, how did we live? And I remember living. I feel like I'm blessed to have remembered living before that time of having to use. I think it's something that my son, your son, will never remember. You never even know about, you know. It's pretty crazy to think. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get off onto that. 
It is. Uh, you know, we. <laughs> I remember many times being out on the road, a car breaks down, and it's, you're trying to figure out how to deal with it, and it was just not the right. fun. Yeah, I'm sure you have many stories like that. So anyway, cool. I think that right there is a good place to stop for today before we talk to Ricky. Okay. You know, BG comes in. Uh, we'll be hearing his name a lot. Not the next week, but the week after that. We'll start talking about the heavenly bodies and your feud with them. It's amazing. People want to do a little homework, go on YouTube, watch some of those matches. You're going to have a great run with this. Leads into some other fun things with other initials, WWF, you know, things like that. So yeah. anyway, is there anything else you'd like to say before we get Ricky on the line here? No, I'm just I'm ready to talk to Ricky. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, let's get him on here. Be back in just a moment, folks. Thanks. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast, and today we have a very special guest, my personal favorite wrestler of all time, one of the greats of all time, WWE Hall of Famer, Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer, and an old friend of Wolfie D. Welcome in the great one, Ricky Morton. How are you doing today, sir? Well, buddy, I'm always good. Hell, if I have a bad day, it's my own fault. <laughs> but, uh, I just want to say thank you. My first thing I want to do is thank you for having me on your show today. I appreciate it very much, and uh, and I really do appreciate the intro you gave me. Thank you. That's a great compliment. Just Jimmy? Yes, sir. This is your name, Jimmy uh, or Rick? Jimmy, but I used to go by Ricky when I was a kid. <laughs> I made him call me Ricky. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, re- like I remember I, there was this little girl that had a crush on me. I, I was a huge fan, and... She was like, what's your name? And I said, my name is Jimmy, but you can call me Ricky. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Ricky, the first thing, uh, obviously, um, we talked about it on our last show. Bobby was close to to me because of Jamie and Donna uh, and Bill. Um, But you, uh, I mean, probably... One of the, if not the greatest feuds of all time, was the Midnight Express versus the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, and I know there was a deep friendship there. Uh, without holding back, Ricky, talk about Bobby for me and what he meant to you. Well, well for you know, uh, I had a lot of people to call me and wanted to talk about Bobby. Uh, this is the first time I came out in public about it. Uh, because if you don't even know, Bobby was my best friend in the world. And whoever met Bobby Eaton... He was your best friend, too. Uh, Something about Bobby, you never once ever heard anybody ever say anything bad about him. You never heard Bobby say anything bad about anybody else. Yeah. I met Bobby back in 1978 when he worked for Nick Goulas. I'm talking about, I guess at the time, he was the jet set with George Goulas, but that was it. But my feelings for Bobby was I've... uh, you know, it was like my family member had passed away. I talked to Bobby every week, sometimes twice a week. Uh, stayed in touch with him a lot. And remember, and especially as, uh, you know, his wife passed away maybe a month ago, Donna. And, and now Bobby passes away. But we, our business lost one of the greatest personalities. But I'm saying out of the ring that anybody... Yeah could ever imagine and 
and it never failed to amaze me. How come a big company never hired him to teach the art of being a heel? Uh, his chemistry, you know, and in the back when and I used to work with him and I ain't saying, you know, back then and back then this. I walked twenty miles through the show. Hell no. I'm just saying that our business was different. It was a lot sacred. But yeah. Bobby Eaton could take anybody that you ever put in a ring with him, and I'm talking about somebody that's not even had a match. Yeah. And have a good match with him. And see that's what makes a great worker. Mm-hmm. In my opinion you know, and I have a lot of opinions. To me, Bobby Eaton was the greatest heel to ever lace up a pair of boots. And uh, Bobby was my friend. Amen. Amen. And saying my friend, I absolutely love Bobby. I just loved him to death. And uh, that's what I got to say with Bobby. And if you don't mind, uh, because I get real sentimental here in a minute. That's uh, that's what I got to say about Bobby. Thank and you. It was the Midnight Express. Yes. Okay. Well, um, the way I met you and the thing that we did together, um, I was about, and I, I've told you this story, Ricky. I don't know if you remember it, but I was about 10 years old. I lived in Antioch, Tennessee at Cedar Hill Apartments on Packard Drive. And I was outside the apartments playing one day and with my buddies or whatever. And all of a sudden, I saw that golden Hall of Fame mullet glowing (laughs) in the sun. And you were outside. Evidently, you knew somebody there. Y'all were outside of their patio. I can't remember where you were. I don't don't even know what happened. It was just like, oh. No, whoopee. That was the first apartment me and my wife got when we got married. Is that I lived right? there. I lived and there. I, wow. Too. And I, saw, I did not know that I lived next to Ricky Morton. But I went. <laughs> I, I talk, you know what? And I kind of remember this. We sat downstairs, and you come across a, the, the grass. Yeah, yeah, you come across, a, like, you know, out there from the road up there to the grass up here. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. So lived in that house over there and I came up and I talked to you for a minute. You nice as you could be. And I remember you flexed your arm at me and uh, <laughs> I went home. I went home and I told my mom or my mom and my stepdad, I said, Ricky Morton is in our apartment. And they're like, bullshit. I said, I swear to God. Said, I swear to God. <laughs> you know what, Wolfie, you are right. I was visiting a friend of mine. That's where my buddy, Jamie Polk, I went to high school with. Yeah. That's where he lived. I lived over by the by the hospital, Southern Hills Hospital. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, it sure was. Now it's coming back to me because yeah. you were out there on the road, you and some kids, and I was sitting out because it was on the ground. Because me and my yeah. wife lived in an apartment on the third floor that was over by Southern Hills Hospital. You know what? I remember that, man. Yeah. I sure do. Just by you mentioning it to me. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess Alzheimer's hadn't hit me yet, but I remember that. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. But that was that's the awesome. first time that I met you, and uh, it's just ironic how life foreshadows things sometimes. So, fast forward to, of course, I met you in the business before we started the angle. But what we really want to talk about is 
we can start with uh, the night to remember, they called it, uh, for USWA, the Louisville Gardens. They build it as the team of the 80s versus the team of the 90s. You and Robert, me and Jamie, uh, you had Andrea with you, and we built that thing up. And <laughs> I, I remember, too, when you guys got to the building, and I had never done this before, but I, I was so excited about it, and I wanted the finish to not just be some bullshit finish. And I got with Randy, and I handed you both <laughs> some typed-out pieces of paper stapled together that was just the finish. It wasn't the match. It was the finish that I got with Randy. And I remember both of y'all looking at me going, what in the fuck is this? But <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, I ain't trying to change the subject, and I want to do because we're talking – and it brings back memories. Uh, Whoopi, is your stepdad still alive? He, he he wrestled too, didn't he? Yeah, but no, he's not. Him and my mother both passed in okay. uh, 17. They passed right right next to each other too. But I remember, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to change Uh-oh. the tempo okay. on this uh, podcast, but I'm yeah. talking to you. You're bringing back memories. I knew your stepdad too. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, let's get back to Smoky Mountain. I love it. Yeah. So you put us over. That was the first time you ever put us over was the Louisville Gardens match. And the people, you know, I had a hard time doing that because it was a little bit too close to Jamaica. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) if people in the business, they get that. Go ahead. (laughs) Right. And it meant so much to us. And it also gave us that credibility to take the ball and run with it. Uh, that led into the Smoky Mountain feud. Talk about, you know, we had Buddy Landell there. We had Terry Gordy. You guys were bringing in everybody from Smoky Mountain to try to get us. And then we teamed back with our arch nemesis, uh, Doug Gilbert, Tommy Rich, you know, and and everything just worked what we were doing. And we were doing great shit, man. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, first of all, you know, and and, and I'm not – Changing, I'm not a squirrel jumping from limb to limb, but I have a wrestling school at Chucky, Tennessee. Right. But what? But what I'm saying is, is that I teach there, and see, in our business today, a lot of the guys do not even have a clue or understand our wrestling business whatsoever. Right. You have to understand our business because I still believe in all this, and when it come our time, you got to have a villain. Yeah. And you got to have a hero. Uh, do you see what I'm saying? People pay to watch the good guy always kill the villain, and you know, or beat him. Yeah. See, that's what's wrong with our businesses today, and and that's why it worked so good back then. And it was so much fun, just because you had all the villains coming at you, and watch a movie. You know, before at the end of the movie, when he kills the badass villain that comes to, to town, he done yeah. killed a bunch of them before you got there. See, that's the same way our business is. Yeah. I watch wrestling on TV these days, and I don't have a damn clue what they're doing. And and I've been in this business for 46 years wrestling. And uh, it's, it, it, it's still the same easy thing. I do the same thing at my school. I had I put heat on my heels and I draw every week and that's why. But you see back then you put heat on us. Yeah. You guys were over, see? They fed you the big guys 
like Gordy, Buddy Landell, they fed you guys until we come in. And then y'all, you know, you're there. Y'all, we put you over in the ring, but then right when the match was over, we beat the living piss out of y'all. And uh, you you see what I'm saying? We beat the piss out of y'all. Let you land. People hitting the ring, and we're beating the piss out of them, too, the guys in the back. We worked the medics. The and, and I don't. I'm not talking about a wrestling thing. I'm talking about the paramedics at the gardens. You guys bloodied us. You, Mark Curtis, and and Robert, bloodied yeah. me, Jamie, and Randy so badly that the the EMTs came to the ring and we sold. We kayfabe. We yes. So it's okay. We sold like we were fucking dying, and they treated us as if we were fucking dying. And oh yes, that type of shit right there is what puts asses in the seats. Well, uh, but you see, that's what's wrong with our business today. Now, if I was going to shoot an angle with you tonight on TV, well, Dave Metzger's untold every son of a bitch in the world we're going to do it. And what yeah. the finish is going to be, and probably the hot spots. You, you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's oh, what's yeah. wrong with our fucking business. Yeah. Uh, you got me on a roll here. I didn't mean to drop the F-bomb, but. You can uh, drop them. It's okay. Oh, okay. We yeah, okay, man, we're on here and we're talking about such a great situation. What such a great business we have if it's treated right, and and if you have people that know what they're doing. And now I'm going to get to you. Do you know what's wrong with AEW? You know what's wrong with Impact? Do you know what's wrong with WWE? Yeah, I don't really watch any of them. So. I don't book for them. <laughs> That's amen. <laughs> amen. I, I just, man, yeah. Hey, I don't work you know, for them. And, and Ricky, man, we had so much fun. We were serious out there, but we also had fun. Uh, do you remember the time that Jamie had been out, I guess, all night, and then y'all were getting the heat on him, and he had to go up under the ring and throw up? Do you remember that? <laughs> Oh, you damn right! Look here, I, and hey, he, I, I'm I'm standing over the top of him. I said, I looked at him. I said, Jamie, I'm forty something years old. I ain't been to bed in thirty five fucking years. Get your <laughs> ass up! <laughs> hey. Robert comes oh. over. I'm on the apron. Robert comes over to me and like swings me, but as he does, he said, "Your fucking pussy partner's under the ring throwing up." <laughs> oh yeah, hey, am I? And my wife, Andrea, was with us. You know, she traveled with us. We stuck her in there. And she's over there. She's throwing up on the other side, you know, because she got a weak stomach. I'm just, oh, man. <laughs> but you know what? He crawled his little ass back in that ring and went back to work, didn't he? He sure did. He sure did. Yeah, I'm right, he did. And, uh, and I, do you remember this one? Uh, me and Jamie, this was Louisville again, and uh, me and him before the show had went to Kentucky Kingdom at the water park and got drunk. <laughs> and then we showed up. We're working you guys. Y'all in yeah. the hills, we're the baby faces. And Jimmy, they kept calling spots for us, you know, baby face spots that would end and say arm drag. I'd go to arm drag when they'd pull their arm away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'd, they'd call fucking something that ends with a drop kick. I'd go to drop kick them. they move out the way. So they're yeah. fucking hey, I remember, looking like fucking idiots out there because yeah. Ricky and Robert are just fucking with us because we're drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But we had a good time. But, but, yeah. it was, but you... But you see, Whoopi, at that time in our business, nobody knew but us. Exactly. You, right. Do you understand? 
This is what I try to tell people a lot of times in the ring. And this is what's really horrible. Today, you watch them fuck a spot up. And and when they fuck the spot up, when the people start chatting, you fucked up. You know why? Because you're letting the people know you fucked the spot up. Yeah. Just go back into a headlock or do something else and do not repeat it. Right. And you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. These guys don't even have that. It's to get my shit in. And and I want to, but what I'm going to say to you here is, it's when I was a baby face, I never wanted to win. Yeah. You see, because the people pay to see me whoop the hill, but I mean, beat the hill, but the hill screws me a fucking week. So I come back the match next week where he can't screw me that way, but he screws me another way. That's yeah, how nah. you draw money in our business. The people pay to see the baby face win. Right. All right. And when you're, I didn't want to be a champion because when you're a champion, the people don't pay their to see their money to watch me lose. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, man. every time we always won the championship, a week or two weeks later, we dropped it, the belt right back to the heels. Right. Yeah, or, or whoever it was. So that's drawing money in our business. And that's the concept that we had back then. Yeah, uh, it was really cool. Y'all had uh, Randy Hales with y'all. We had Mark Curtis with us. And, uh, you know, he's a little bitty, mean-ass little referee. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it was so cool, man. Uh, he'd screw y'all, and here come Randy Hales. And see, everything, Woofy, made sense. Yeah. Okay. And every week yeah. got bigger. We kept doing more and adding more people and da 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 da. You know, it just got better, better, better. Until uh, it had Boys to come the to an end. But match. <laughs> the money that the that the towns were making, the gate don't lie. The shit was working. And uh, oh, yeah, and you're right. You know, and it's to be in a situation. Uh, you know, when when you keep a territory afloat, and you got to understand, this is after Dundee's gone. This is after. Lawler's gone. Yeah, I, I think all they were gone. Yeah, Lawler and both. Yeah, they went to WWF, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yes, and it was just yeah. us. And see, when you keep a territory afloat like that, yeah. that's accomplishing a lot. Hell uh, yeah. You know, I, I never forget years ago, Lawler broke his leg. Bill Dundee called hepatitis. Now, they stuck me in a little spot there. Not where I was the top, baby, but I was one of them. You understand me? Mm-hmm. I didn't break no records. Houses dropped like a son of a bitch, but the territory didn't die. Right. And and that was all that made – and see, I learned a lot doing that. You you understand me? Yeah. To, to, to learn how to draw money. You know, our business is to draw, but it's not about me getting my shit in. I hate that. Yeah. You know, you know, people. You, have you been in the wrestling dressing room these days? And people are back there going over their match. Okay, uh, other day I had to piss, and I had to duck three clotheslines, reverse two hip toss, and leapfrog before I got. <laughs> okay. Oh man, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> what the hell? That's good. That's good man. Hey, man, um, I, I want to say to you, though, man, uh, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, man, my memories of you and the things you taught me, 
uh, will probably never go away. Um, <clears throat> you know, yeah, me and Jamie made it to WWE, whatever. Uh, oh, damn right you did. That means the, the feud that we had, and because it was in the Memphis territory where I grew up watching, that's what I signed up for. And to know that I got to work you guys in main events and put asses in the seats and draw money probably means more to me than making it to the WWE. So I do want to thank you. I learned a shit ton of things from you, whether you know it or not. Uh, okay, buddy. This, but but this, let's stop here. And, and I want to – now it's my time. <laughs> you see, Wolfie, uh, I knew Jamie. Since he's a little boy, he dressed up like his dad and came to the matches. Right. Uh, I watched Jamie and I watched you actually grow up in the business. Yeah. Do you hear me? And see, yeah. that's something that's really sacred. Even though you're you're younger than I am, uh, but, but see, this is like Bobby Dine and a bunch of my friends that have died. We all grew up in the business. And one thing that I always tell everybody is, you know, man, when you leave the dressing room, no matter if you got don't like somebody, if you got here, just tell them you love them. Yeah. And I do. I always tell you guys that I love you because it's just the way it is. We, at our time, were in a certain club. You, you understand me? Yeah. We're, it's a certain thing in our lives and our hearts that we can never uh, forget and let go. And just by you mentioning stuff earlier, I have forgot about, then it came right to me. Right. You, you see? Because the business is that important to me. Yeah, uh, I like you know Wolf. You great. I like everybody, and uh, and uh, I guess I might as well call the other guy Ricky. So what, what's up? <laughs> My name is Jim, Jimmy. <laughs> Thank you. Though. That means no, a lot. Jimmy. I gotta call you Ricky. I guess, huh? No, I love uh, it. I love it. As a kid, and now I, I was probably about eight years old in Council, Virginia. This is just before you guys went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and you all worked a program. It might have been just a, one of Jimmy Valiant's shows. He was the headliner with Haku, and then you all wrestled a tag team match on there. Well, I want to say during intermission, I was eight, nine years old, barely had a little bit of money. I was already a huge Rock yeah. and Roll Express fan, so I spent my money uh -huh. at you all's table. I bought one of those pictures uh, with the tag belts, and, and I got it autographed, and then I had a little piece of notebook paper, and I walked around and got all the people to sign it, and I went to Jimmy Valiant's, and he, he said, brother, you got to buy a picture to get, you know, and, and I said, well, I can't, I, I already spent my money. I, I don't have the money to, and he wouldn't sign an autograph. So I'll say this, that night you all made me a fan for life. So thank you for that. That meant, well, thank I mean, you. That now, meant the world. Now, who, did, who did Jimmy wrestle that night? If I'm not mistaken, it was Haku. The Zoom guy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned something like that because, dude, Listen, and I get on to Robert about this all the time, too. Uh, you come to my table, especially if you're a kid, I have something to give you. <laughs> if you don't, if your parents can't yeah. get it for you. It's just the way yeah, I am. Yeah, well, uh, you made a fan for life for that day. I promise you that. So. Thank you, bud. Hey, Ricky, real quick, I know you're fixing to go. Before you go, I'd like to end it with this. I mean, everybody knows you. You've already done it on this show. Your one-liners are some of the greatest in the business. My yeah. favorite one-liner from Ricky Morton is, you know, I jack off so much in the shower every time it rains, I get a heart on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's true after uh, 
<laughs> after 40 years of being married. <laughs> hey, hey, Randy, yeah. get Effie for us. Get Effie for us. I love that new the new matchup, GCW. I'm enjoying that. Keep it up. Hey, buddy, uh, I work hard there, Wolfie. I, you know what? Uh, GCW, and please put this on there, GCW is yes, one of the sir. greatest independent wrestling uh, things out there. They use different guys. And the only thing I did is I went there and I worked hard. And they appreciate it. And the boys in GCW appreciate me. Uh, I cannot wait. It's not this Friday night, but the next Friday night. I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada with with Effie. And literally, we're going to tear that place down. Because he loves to work and I love to work. And, 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 And this is the old school versus, well, this is the old man versus Effie. And if you know who Neffy is, you know what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. yeah. I thank, thank you, Rick. guys. Thank you, Rick. Thank God you, bless thank you, you, sir. Thank you. Wolfie D. Wolfie D. Yes, sir. Love you, bud. Bye. Love you, man. Well, that was an amazing conversation with Ricky Morton, not surprisingly. Coming up next week, we've got a really cool guy. He's an amazing wrestler. He's kind of been in the similar stages of you. He's the headliner, Chris Michaels, former USWA tag champ, longtime wrestler. He has a new book out. Tell us a little bit about Chris. Chris Michaels, flying Chris Klein. I met him back, and we were 15 years old out there doing things that the the guys that thought they were main eventers couldn't do. Um, You know, known Chris my whole career. Uh, He's always been somewhere around where I'm at pretty much. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to him next week. It should be a good episode. Um, Like I said, we have a lot of history, so it should be fun. Yeah, he's awesome. He was always so cool to me and when he didn't even have to be, just like you were, you know. Yeah. Always open to let me ask a question to him and not roll their eyes and stuff. So it's always appreciated. <laughs> and it's going to be an awesome combo. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about his book. You know, that's cool. He's got yeah. a book out. Maybe maybe need to get a Wolfie D book out. We'll work that out. But <laughs> We're doing uh, an audio here, Jimmy. We're doing an audio. Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, other than that, yeah, can't wait to talk to Chris. So, all right, y'all. Episode six, the headliner Chris Michael. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get up anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, 
But you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate, first of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Second, Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. I got a cap for you, don't. He got a cap for you, don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still lobbing in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Played low for a while when you thought I was through. Listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected. Bad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks from over one for later. Not here to play games, so you better be right. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. Like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You second step to the side unless you wanna get dropped. When my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up. Driving it home, it's Wolfie D, baby. Huh? I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.